Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Security Recruiter podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Rhodes from Praetorian. I'm just going to do Michelle an intro. It's great to be joined by a fellow recruiter. And Michelle started her recruitment career back in 2009, C2 Portfolio. She then went on to be a support specialist in the US Department of Interior. Then she was back into IT recruitment in 2012 at Multivision Inc. Then into, back in 2013 was when she got a first taste of cybersecurity recruitment, which is what a lot of today is going to be about. Then she joined Sigital as a technical recruiter, which was then acquired by Synopsys. And she then joined Praetorian as a principal talent partner. And we've just been chatting about off air because she recently got promoted to talent acquisition manager. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? You're very well, thank you. Good. Yes. I've done you a I've done you an intro. Did I do all right? Did I get everything right? I'm I'm cheating. I'm looking down at LinkedIn as I'm saying that. So I hope I got it all right. Better job than I can do it. So yes. Yeah, great job. <laughs> Cool, cool. Very good, Michelle. I'll, I'll start where, where I always start. I know I've done you an intro, but I always feel like I can never do it as well as you. If you could start off by telling me and the listeners who you are and, and what you've been up to uh, career-wise over the years. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, Michelle Rhodes. I am part of Praetorian. We are a cybersecurity company. We really focus on offensive security and consulting. We also have a managed services. But my history has really been focused on cybersecurity. I just got thrown into it. I was a recruiting coordinator. And then my first client was a security company. And I haven't looked back since. Realistically, I guess the last 10 years has really been a core focus on hyper growth, really focusing on consulting. And that kind of led me to the digital synopsis. And now where I'm here at Praetorian right now. Hmm. Cool. Very good. Do you know what? In my experience, anyone that's recruited at Synopsis, I've dealt with uh, a few uh, recruiters from Synopsis and I always think that you guys and girls are good you're not just good at recruitment you actually got the technical knowledge as well which is which is good was the training really good there or is it just a coincidence that everyone I've met from there seems pretty good or a little bit of both oh, I wouldn't okay. say we had like hands-on technical training we had I had a mentor Sean McFarlane he was at Synopsis still at Synopsis but he joined digital and then went through with Synopsys. He actually has a security background, came through the IT industry, and he has been my saving grace. I could literally ask him anything and everything about any type of technical concept. I He literally knows it all. So he has really been the technical expertise that I bounce things off of. So definitely been really lucky to have him and build up my technical knowledge. I like to say I can talk the lingo, but if you ever ask me to do like a code review or a web app pen test, I literally would not know where to start. Mm, mm. No, that's great. And uh, I'm the same, Michelle. Like, everyone thinks that I can literally pen test. I can't. Uh, I can talk the lingo and I can really hold a conversation with pretty much anyone, but I, I am not a uh, pen tester. I'm most certainly a recruiter. But you'd be surprised. Like, I, I meet some clients and they're like, I've been getting SOC analysts for red yeah. team roles. And you're like, what? Like how? So maybe we we don't give ourselves enough credit. But listen, if, if you ever receive a SOC analyst from me for a pen testing role, feel free to rock me. 
But, but yeah, look, on LinkedIn, I've seen a few, you guys and girls over at Pretoria, you've made some pretty cool findings recently. I've seen a few things floating around on LinkedIn. There might be people listening to this that are thinking, do you know what? Michelle's advertising right now. Wouldn't mind joining. I like what they're doing. What kind of profile are you looking for? What things do you like? What things don't you like that could help people listening? Yeah, definitely. When thinking of a profile, especially a Praetorian, the algorithm is actually really simple. The first thing I always look for is passion with cybersecurity. Also, piggyback on on that working at Praetorian. Do they just want a job? Do they want this job? Have they even gone on our website? Or did they just happen to do an easy LinkedIn apply? Um, So really understanding why they want to work at Praetorian their cybersecurity passion as a whole, and then understanding our company values, the culture, making sure that alignment is there. And then, of course, the technical expertise, since we are such a hands-on technical company, that's always important. But I like to say I can't change someone's passion. I can't change how someone looks at Praetorian as a whole. We can definitely support you with our crazy mentorship programs and technical career path at Praetorian and coach you and teach you all the technical stuff, but we can't change that first piece. That's definitely where we start in the recruiting process. Yeah, definitely. And I pulled a few sound bites out of an old pod- podcast because Eric, a previous guest, was talking about hacker mindset and that kind of relates to kind of passion and then culture. And I, I, I sometimes, I don't know what you think, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I sometimes question if that hacker mindset is teachable because that kind of curious nature and i see you can't just look inside a system and go "Ah, that looks a bit strange but it's okay you've got to have that that's not right i need to look i need to look i need to that's what a hacker is do you think it's teachable or do you think you've either got it if you haven't or do you think some people are just miles off and maybe some are in the middle and they can be teachable What, what do you think i would say it's in the middle a little bit but i also strongly believe it comes naturally it's how you're built it's the drive that they have if they're hunting for something they never stop they're addicted to it that doesn't come necessarily naturally for some folks who just want to learn it. They might be able to learn it, but I think that drive and the addiction to the hacking part definitely is up there. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I'm quite an obsessive guy, and I think that's why I click with a, with, with a lot of <laughs> with a lot of hackers. And it's, we have conversations internally, and sometimes, like when people at the end of a process, they'll like message a lot, and, and some people are like, no. But, Tom, that's ridiculous. I'm like, no, that's not ridiculous. That this guy or girl's a hacker. Like, that's why they're good. Please cater for them. That's just that's just how it is. But yeah, no, I, I think to a certain extent, I, I agree. You know, it's kind of you've either got that mindset or you haven't. And also, if you're recruiting at the senior end, you want it pre. You want that pre-made. If you're really, if you're really busy, if it's a junior role, maybe something different. But at the mid to senior end of the market. I think you'd expect that to be there because to then go off and try and have to onboard someone, which can take time in itself, even if people are really good, to then have to try and alter or train or refine people's mindsets in in, in busy conditions, even today, I think it's, I think it's tough. The example is when I send our calendar invites is attached to our applicant tracking system. And there's a part on the bottom and it says internal use only. And those hackers will literally go crazy they overlook the internally internal use only part and there's a link and they try they're like is this a technical challenge is this am i supposed to be hacking this and i get so many messages up front and i'm always like yep you're a hacker (laughs) (laughs) so hang on secret insight you heard it here first if michelle sends you the uh, the interview invite and you question it then they're going up in the ratings yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) 
<laughs> Everyone knows now. You've ruined it. <laughs> no, cool. Resume formatting. Uh, everyone always has a slightly different thing on this. Uh, I'm going to change this question a bit. Do you like getting LinkedIn URLs, yes or no? And what would you like to see on the resume and how would you like to see it formatted? Yeah, so we're in the weird industry of cybersecurity. Some folks you can't find on LinkedIn. Some folks are hidden and it takes a lot to find them. LinkedIn, love LinkedIn. So if there is a link, I always check LinkedIn. But again, some folks are very cautious about what they're putting out there on the web. So having a detailed resume essentially is what I end up looking at. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks don't necessarily keep updated on LinkedIn. So it's a little bit of back and forth between the two. I know, like I say, I think the LinkedIn profile for, 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 for me and you, Michelle, it is just so quick to look at the LinkedIn profile, isn't it? But like I say, it's true what you say. If everything's not on there and you're missing stuff, then, you, you know, you've just got to you've just got to look at both, really. But yeah, cool. Interview questions to be aware. Any interview questions I should be aware of if I'm applying at Pretoria? Maybe not just Pretoria, maybe anywhere. Just if I'm in the application process now, I'm listening or I'm thinking about making a move. Any questions I should be aware of and what's the best way to prepare for an interview? Absolutely. First step is research the company. <laughs> I'm sure you have some crazy stories. I have endless stories where I hop on a call with someone. They have no idea what company they're interviewing with, haven't looked us up, and they put it on the recruiter to explain the company. So, yeah. Definitely research the company. And then question-wise, I always like to remind candidates that they are interviewing us just as much as we are interviewing them. Definitely have questions prepared to ask us. But my very first question is typically, why Bertorian? Um, Why did you want to submit your resume? And then from there, I really understand how invested they are in the interview process. It really makes or breaks their first impression. I know a lot of candidates are like, oh, it's just a recruiter, but we are actually the voice for the candidate. We're the ones who can send your resume across to the entire leadership team if we don't have a position open and create opportunities. So definitely first impression with the recruiter, do your research and have questions for us. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And I think as well on the lengthy process thing as well, like I know if we're partnering with a client long-term relationship the client doesn't want someone that if they're not invested in the process and they're not going to stick around for a long time I don't want that because that just creates more work for me later down the line and it doesn't look good for the relationship the client doesn't want it and ultimately I don't think the the candidate shouldn't want it they should want a a long-term fix I think a lengthy process shows due diligence on 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 all parts and it raises flags if people are complaining about it doesn't it I think (laughs) Yeah, I hear mix from a lot of folks. Some folks are true believers of one interview and done. It's just not possible. Yeah, we yeah. have, we definitely have a longer interview process, but the feedback that we get after the interview process, they, they tell us how hands-on it is and how they thank me afterwards. And they really, truly enjoy our interview process. Yeah. yeah. The only short ones I do, if it's, con- if it's contract stuff and it's like they need it in a few hours, then that could be quick. Yeah. Uh, but that's completely different when it's contract uh, or, or staffing solutions. But yeah, on the permanent side, yeah, it needs to be. Like I say, it needs to be done properly. Um, again, I always get, um, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. So questions at the end of an interview, should I have some prepared? If yes, what should they be along the lines of? 
Yeah, definitely always have questions. It shows that you're interested and you're invested in learning more. It could be questions from the basic benefit questions, or it could be, hey, you guys are a series A, B, C, D. What are your long-term plans for investments? Talk about our five-year plan. Ask us anything and everything that you would want to know. Again, they need to interview us just as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. And like you say, we're living in the age of the, I would say we're living in the age of the internet now. There is literally no, there is no excuse if you spend a bit of time. And also if you're good at recon and you're, especially if you're a hacker, the, these skills should be pretty natural. So yeah, I think definitely, I, I think ask plenty of questions. And again, it's like a, almost like a pretty passive way of showing that you have actually done some recon in a, in a, in a nice, polite way of like subconsciously or passively showing that. So yeah, I think it, I think it definitely helps. So I know you've been, with Petorian for a while, Michelle obviously spent time at Synopsis, did the, did the intro at the start. I'm sure you've seen some pretty mega guys and girls over the years. What do you think makes the difference between someone who's good to someone who is exceptional? I like to think within the first 30 seconds of the conversation, I immediately know if this person's going to be good or not. The passion in the voice, the excitement from the very minute that you get on the the call with somebody. I really truly believe passion sets the bar. For some of those mega guys, yes, sometimes you'll get some crazy folks who just ramble and they are not quite that business oriented and they don't really know how to a basic interview. But we're finding folks that really want to set the bar. We want to find the one, the two percenters out there so really having an in-depth conversation with somebody along the lines of performance and um, passion, understanding what their five-year plan is or three-year plan is um, within 30 seconds, you really know and understand that. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. And I think we plan to talk about this, but we talked about it off air, the careers, uh, events and affairs that you've been up to. Um, first of all, how were they? Yeah, so I'm sick right now. I know <laughs> a lot of people don't know what I sound, but I sound like... <laughs> nose plug at least that's what it sounds like to me right now um you sound fine honestly you sound fine <laughs> over strep throat um but this year i we actually had um a celebration call with the company on i guess it was last friday and i was able to speak about the career fairs we attended for this year we had lines that were unbelievable especially at georgia tech and umd the, the lines, we had to basically take over our neighbor's area. One person described it as not really being in line. It was more like a crowd, someone shouting oh. for their drinks. We had folks that were standing in line before we even opened up the booth. Um, and they were like, I am only here to speak to Praetorian. I want to work at Praetorian. This is my dream job. They're so nervous. They're sweating. It, oh, it was man. very rewarding to attend the career fairs this year. I remember when I started about what a year and a half ago or so, attending my first career fair, a lot of people didn't really know who we were. And over the last year and a half, it's the name of Praetorian is all over the career fairs. And it's really rewarding to see how much we've grown in that aspect. No, it is. And uh, and look, I know my, I obviously, same as you, Michelle, I'm having conversations all day, every day in and around security. And I've heard good things from other founders of other offensive security uh, organizations. So it, 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 it is, if you do things right, if you take that long-term approach, the community is so small, really. Even globally, it is. Never mind just in you know, America, even though America is a huge place, it kind of gets around. But no, that's 
Nice to hear. I won't ask you who your neighbours are, but that must have been a bit embarrassing for your for your neighbours at the career fair having their whole stand taken over by you. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. We had a great yeah. Cool. I'm just thinking out loud. So this is a play to meet people and help juniors early on. This is to explain to them about the culture, the brand, the mentoring initiatives that you've got going on internally. Is that what it's all about? To, to meet talent early yeah. on and explain the benefits of joining? Yep. And build relationships with some of the top security, cybersecurity schools out there. We have an internship program that runs through the summer, typically May through August. And we bring on our interns and typically we will attend these career fairs and have folks start the interview process there. We actually have a tabletop sign that they can scan a QR code and start taking our technical challenge, which is part of the interview process. Mm, cool. So it's definitely really building the early careers recruiting for us. We like to hire from the bottom and then have them grow with us. Yeah, definitely that and internships. Would you, Michelle, take, if someone's got ridiculous levels of uh, aptitude and they can pick stuff up really quick, would you ever take someone on that's really, like at the minute, I know you're hiring for pretty senior folks. If someone's got really high levels of aptitude, would you fast track them? Is that an option with you guys and girls? Yeah, actually, I just had a conversation with our CEO, Nathan Sportsman, and had this conversation about bringing back our opportunist hire. We see an A, we're going to hire an A. Uh, and we truly believe in that. So we are definitely keeping our eyes peeled for those A's out there and doing what we can do to make that work. That's Yeah, that's really nice. To I've, I won't name the client, but I've had that before. And I've put the resume in and they've gone, no, Tom, it's not an interview. And I've gone, no, tr no look, I've interviewed this person that they need to be seen. And yeah. I got my own way and it went through and it was all successful. But it's, sometimes it's hard. You know, some companies just aren't. Yeah, it's right. nice to hear that you are. Yeah. It's been a weird market, seeing a lot of our peers being laid off from our competitors. I know it's difficult to just bring on new opportunist hires. So we're really making that initiative this year to, if you're an A, we're going to hire an A. Mm. Yeah, no, cool, cool. Do you know what I was going to mention as well? So on if juniors are coming in, so another thing, I'm doing it for a company up in New York. It's like a it's like a virtual private event where I leverage my network and bring a, someone like a director of offensive security, someone really senior, all, all community led. And it's basically, they'll come in and they'll mentor for the day. So they're obviously further down the line in their career. Money's perhaps not prior, top priority for them anymore, but tapping into their sense of purpose and giving back is. So we are organizing our first event now for one of my clients where they, the, where Nick, one of the chaps on it, he's coming in to actually do a, a mentoring day virtually for them. So if you do end up doing some more kind of opportunity hires or there's some juniors in, let me know. We could maybe organize something. It might be quite cool. Yeah, definitely. We have a mentorship program set up internally, but we have not necessarily gone the external route if we can be involved and kind of pay it forward. I know some of our security engineers would jump on that opportunity. Yeah, 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 cool. I wish I could take credit for the idea, but it, it, I can't because basically <laughs> one, one of my clients, she, she's the COO where where she is, and she actually hit me up about it. And I was like, God, it's such a good idea. I wish I thought of that one, but, but it's good. The mentoring program, can you tell me more about that? And I don't know if you can or not, but can you relate it to, is there anything that you're doing on that mentoring where if I'm listening, I could go, oh, great, that could help my learning. Or is there anything, yeah, yeah, how does the mentoring help and how could it help me now if I'm listening? Yeah, absolutely. So since we do so much junior hiring, typically what we do is find somebody who has been with the company who has a similar career path as the new hire that's coming on. 
maybe they want, they're really good at web app and they're more on the product tech side, but they really want to start hacking on cars or get on the IoT side. Yeah. Um, we will basically match make them with somebody who's been at the company and really set them up so they have some money they can lean in on, really get advice outside of just a manager. We're in a remote environment, so building any type of, or I guess any type of blockers that are out there, we want to make sure we have in, internal ways for folks to communicate outside of our like, typical like Slack and all that fun stuff. But mm. yeah, pairing them up and really setting expectations around that mentorship program is really what we focus on with the bonding and career path and technical expertise. Mm. Yeah, cool. And listen, do you know what? I, I think it's great for a number of reasons. I think it's great for self-development i think it's great for the seniors because it reinforces their pre-existing knowledge and again it taps into their sense of purpose it's really enjoyable giving back and the other thing that i've the be interesting to hear if you found this as well but i've found another one of my clients in texas now and again he widens the, the spec in terms of experience and it's because if you go a bit lower down on the years of experience sometimes and really mentor someone up, the levels of loyalty typically and the retention rates typically increase as well. Have you found that? Or Yes, absolutely. If you mentioned retention. Retention kind of starts at the recruiter's responsibility, setting yeah. expectations and having that mentorship program individually. Mm. It mm. 100% helps with yeah, definitely. And yeah, and that's it's, it's something. One, one of the massive things I look at is what's the reason for moving? Because if the only reason you're moving is for a 10K pay rise, even if it means that I've contacted you this year for a 10K pay rise, when another recruiter contacts you this time next year for another 10K pay rise or a 5K, you're probably just going to move again. So that that's just not a good enough reason. And you mentioned cultural fit. That's got to be in there. I think as well, another massive one is what are people doing before and after work? Because I always compare, like, so, if you think about finance, like, a balance sheet or some tax law or, or, or that's going to be the same for years and years on. Whereas cybersecurity from one year to the next, it can be so different. So I think what they're doing outside of works. Yeah. Also, it's really fun to be moving forward and have that momentum anyway. So it should be stimulating. So yeah, it all, it all makes a difference, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. But we start with duration of their previous job, career band advancement we look at the quality of employers are they working at the googles or are they working at a spacex or tesla or something like that university pedigree is obviously really important as well Keishans. and one fun fact about victorian we are all about certifications i believe i would i might i'm not going to give a percentage but a lot of our inter- engineers, I want to say it's probably more than 70% of our engineers, they all have their OSCP. Okay. Um, so it just shows how technical everybody here is. Mm. So I was just about to ask what, so OSCP, you value that. What others are you, other certs are you looking for? Yeah, any of the offensive ones. Obviously, there's the OSEE, the OSWE. If you're more in a leadership role or a manager position, the CISSP one's another great one. Mm-hmm. Ethical hacker, and, and also a long ways outside of certifications or what CVEs have you found? Going back to being that crazy hacker and finding all the CVEs. Yeah, cool. Anything. The TCM, PMPT, or any of the ones that are coming through, are they attract? Are they PK in your interest at the minute, or is it? Are you sticking to maybe sounds and off circle, just off circle? 
Right now, our focus really has been OFSEC. I know there's some really good pen testing ones out there, more so that are associated with like hardcore red teaming. Those ones go a long way too, not to discredit Mm. anything not related to pure offensive security. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of I know a lot of folks who live in the Raster Mouse yeah. red team ones at the minute. The P, Michelle, the PMP two, I'm speaking to everyone that's just mm-hmm. taken it and OSCP and everyone is saying to me that the PMP two is is better. Yeah, yeah, they are. I know people that are taking the PMP two practical yeah. like course material to get through their OSCP better, easier and better because the course material that CM are putting out is better than the lab time that OSCP are offering for the, for the certification, which is crazy. But I always get a little bit of a backlash. It's almost becoming fashionable to bash OFSEC on LinkedIn a little bit over PMPT. So I'm trying not to like just look like a follower or whatever, but genuinely I'm having offline conversations and that's how they're going down. So I don't know if I might get some stick for that, but I'll, I'll, say, I'll tell you and I'll say it. <laughs> actually talking to somebody at I believe yeah it was CMU Carnegie Mellon I believe he was like a sophomore there and he had just gotten his AWS cloud security specialist one one of the top-notch ones around like AWS cloud security and it was like highly impressive he had that in his OSCP and he's what do I get next I was like I will send you an entire list I have okay cool very good very good (laughs) so yeah so the cues at the careers fair CVs you spoke about. I know you're putting a lot of stuff out on LinkedIn as a as an outfit, as an organization. So it's fairly obvious to me that you really want to get yourself out there. You value employer branding, you value the, the value of the branding. Are you looking at are you looking at the personal brand of anyone that's applying or is that something that's not being taken into account yet? I always talk about making the resume 3D. Is that something that's important to you? No, not necessarily. It's definitely fancy and I love seeing them if they do it right and it's the clean version. But right now we're focusing, There's, it's been really interesting that we are taking on a UI UX designer position right now. So it's a little outside of my normal day-to-day mm. security work, but seeing those resumes, it's a whole, whole no, another level of creativity when it comes to a resume. Mm. But I'm really plain Jane. I just, I don't want to spend more than two minutes looking at your resume, trying to figure out what the heck you actually do. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes a lot of folks, if it's formatted correctly and all the information's there, I don't necessarily care how pretty it looks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. If, if you, if on the UX stuff, if it's something a bit outside your network, we, I can talk to you about some stuff on the recruiter that I've learned. I won't talk about it now because I don't know if offensive uh, security guys and girls will probably want to listen to me and you talking about recruiter searches for, for ages. But we'll, we'll have a chat off there at the end. There's a few things. If, you, if you're looking for something a bit out of your remit, it works really well because it happens to me sometimes. It's like I'll be engaged with a client and they'll ask me for something. And I'll even say, look, that's a bit outside our, our wheelhouse, but they're like, we know you, can't you just do it? And you feel bad, bad saying uh, no, and you're also going to go to another agency. So you're like, uh, okay. So sometimes we have to do different things, and it, and it's work. So I'll, uh, if you remind me at the end, Michelle, I'll have a, I'll, I'll mention that to you. So offensive security. If I'm listening and I'm thinking, I'm liking what Michelle's saying. It sounds pretty cool. I was in that queue at the careers fair, and um, I want to do something to stand out. Like I know web apps are everywhere. So, but is is there anything else I can do? to stand out is there any particular skill set within offensive security that i could really refine and enhance to make my profile stand out over loads of other juniors that are no doubt hitting you up 
Yeah, absolutely. I would say prior security consulting experience, a track record when it comes to vulnerability research and CVE assignments, really having somebody who has a software development background or hardware design background, someone who understands the attack patterns is definitely helpful. Maybe they're more involved on like software maturity models and they understand more like SDL and BSIM, but more I guess another area would probably be like the threat hunting as well. We get a lot of that as well. Cool. I did a podcast yesterday on threat hunting and purple teaming. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was pretty, pretty cool. What's the best interview you've done? Could be now at Praetorian, could be from back in your days at Synopsis, but what's the best interview you've ever done apart from this one and why? <laughs> Yes, I guess the one that always sticks out the most was actually from my digital days. Um, and it was more so because I met the person in person um, shortly after. Uh, uh. And the start of the call, I was just like, he was one of those guys you hang up the phone. And you're like, holy crap, like this is amazing. And I got off the phone with this guy. Two weeks later, I saw him in person. I was in the kitchen at Sigital and there was a bunch of folks sitting at some of the tables and we had a fridge that you basically put your cup in and it'll tell you how many ounces. Like it'll count out one, two, three, four ounces as you fill up your glass. Oh. And then all of a sudden it started blinking and saying weird things. And then it said, hi, Michelle. And I'm <laughs> joking right now. This is absolutely crazy. And I'm looking around, everyone's acting normal. And... I just knew when I was on the phone with that guy at the start of the interview, this guy had something special and then meeting him in person, it was like full circle and yeah, he's crazy. He can hack anything and everything. It was great. Cool. Very good. Very good. So that was, so you were all on site that together that, then with the offensive guys and girls and you, and do you miss those days at all? I go back and forth, but. I'd like to go into the office as I please. So I'm fully remote. I have been fully remote for a long time. Even at Sigital, we had to be in the office two days a week and that was it. So very used to the, the remote. But having that FaceTime, I definitely, it's key. It's essential um, building relationships. There's no other way to do it. You can have as many Google chats and video hangouts that you possibly could or like silly games with cultural bonding it's just not the same so i think it's definitely valuable and i do miss it and i would definitely go into the office if i had that opportunity yeah do you know what i, I think it's one of those ones like you said there like you like to go in if, if you want to it's one of those ones where if someone said you've got to go in we'd probably be like that no we're not going in but if you've got the option it's like a bit of a psychological thing i think <laughs> Yeah. Uh, when we were 100% remote, I'm 100% remote with Pretoria in our offices in Austin, Texas. And I will find myself going to coffee shops just to look mm. at. I talk all day mm. all on the phone with candidates, but it's just not the same. So sometimes I'll leave and go to coffee shops and sit there and just smile and be like, hey, how are you? Mm. Conversations just to see people. I have two little kids. So between having two little kids and no FaceTime, I just, I like getting that time yeah no it's, it's funny it's, i'm the same it's like like i love remote i wouldn't change it but sometimes i do just 
especially if you know what it's like when you you get an offer accepted you make a play for me it's like, yes you look right oh i'm on my outfit so it's like you lose that kind of after work drinks on a friday or a thursday and stuff like that but yeah exactly yeah. but um no I, I do prefer remote but um another question i wanted to ask is one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast, I'm really passionate about self-development, uh, people's progression. And I just think since remote working, I don't think I'd be where I am today if I'd had remote working since I was showing my age a bit now, but since I was really young. I, I don't know. I think a lot of the stuff I learned was, you know, you mentioned your mentor about looking at the clock in the, in the virtual studio. You mentioned your mentor about half an hour ago. And that was, he was from a security background and that was intrinsic to your self-development when it came to cybersecurity recruitment, et cetera, et cetera. So do you worry that the osmosis isn't isn't there as much with remote working being so prevalent? A little bit, yes, definitely. Being remote is just different. Some people can't survive in the remote. They don't have the self-discipline. I believe being in a job early on and it was, you have to be in at eight, you couldn't leave before five, you only mm. could your chair for an hour. It was, it taught me so much discipline. It's funny because my husband actually has never worked remote until we recently moved to Virginia Beach. And now he can work remote two days a week. Okay. And before he'd be like, oh, so you can throw laundry in and you can clean a little bit. And I'm like, no, I imagine I am like gone away at an office just like you. There's times he brings me water and coffee or just tells me to stand up because I literally don't leave my desk or it's 5.30 and he's like, kids are about to walk in. I haven't seen you stand up. I'm like, yeah. oh, I should probably do that. I'm definitely thankful for my early career days being in an office and having more of that stricter management set teaching me that discipline. Mm-hmm. He's never worked in recruitment, has he? He just doesn't understand Michelle, hey? <laughs> he doesn't get it. about <laughs> work, then I talk about my kids with him, and he's like, can we just talk about something I understand? I'll be like, I talked to this guy, and he said X, Y, and Z. <laughs> I'm finding, I got okay early on in the year. Last kind of month, it's got a little bit, not too crazy, because I'm still really enjoying it, but at times, there's been a couple of times where I've just said to people on the team like, look, you're going to have to leave me alone for a few hours because this is getting, I've come off the back of some like 15, 16 hour days, really intense. And I'm like, the question is, do you find it hard to, harder to get the separation between your personal life and and work since remote working? Yes, I am working 24 (laughs) Mm, mm. 7. It's definitely harder. It's I, I give this example with my husband. When he goes to work, he leaves work behind. Mm-hmm. He's coming home and bringing work is always with me. I'm always checking. And this is just me. And maybe I could have a little bit of improvement on this, but I love what I do. So mm-hmm. I'm, I have Slack on my phone. I have everything I can possibly have to stay connected with work. When I do take PO, I turned the notifications off. The other day was my daughter's birthday. So I oh. took it off. I actually left my phone in the car while we went to a pumpkin patch. So I was very proud of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Like I say, it's good or bad. I've got some clients. I'm in there. I'm in their Slack groups. I'm in their company Slack groups, yeah. which is great for hiring. It makes the process go so much more seamlessly. But like yeah. you said, a Slack message comes through something. Happens. Even if I'm at the dinner table, I'm out and about. It's just I'm like, dinner's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. it, I could use 
time management. Now, recently, I've really focused on my calendar. Everything's certain colors and I have focus time set up. And that's mm. really helped me with the time management piece. Yeah, yeah cool. All right, Michelle, cool. I'm going, do you know what? Everyone listening, we, we planned this episode out and me and Michelle have planned this episode out, but I haven't really stuck to anything we planned, have I? But it's going, I feel like it's going pretty good. So never mind. Right questions. <laughs> Communication's another thing that I talk about a lot on, on the pod. I think it's in, uh, massively linked to career progression. I think for any business, I'm sure you'd agree, for any business operating on a consultancy basis, it is a people business. If I'm okay. listening, and I appreciate the importance of communication and I want to improve those skills. Have you, you got any tips for me? Communication, set expectations early, uh, not just about the interview process, but just in general, set expectations. Mm-hmm. I really believe if you're setting expectations, there shouldn't be a candidate that's frustrated during the interview process. They mm-hmm. should know everything, check in with folks, make sure they're okay. Mm-hmm. It's a long interview process, get them excited make sure they understand that you're working for them, that you want them to have this job. Mm-hmm. But communication is where everything starts when it comes to recruiting. Mm. Yeah, it is. I, I tend to find as well, like just the voice note functionality on LinkedIn, the little selfie video. I just use that all the time for keeping in touch with candidates that are in process with me now. They're getting so many little voice. And a lot of them say, I don't get this some other age. And it does make a difference. It, I think it really improves the the quality of the service and the candidate experience. So it's, yeah, it's nice. Book or podcast that's had the most positive impact on your career so far? Yes. So I actually have a book like right over here, Radical Focus. I literally just have it Amazon. It's more on the business side. Haven't really started it yet, but it's since taking on this management responsibility, I'm a new manager. We're really firm believers in setting OKRs and making sure our company, our goals are aligned with the company. So this book is really focused on OKRs and tools to help teams focus um, on goals, creating frameworks, all of that good stuff. So that's on my reading list right now. And then I guess the pop. This sounds bad, but podcasts, I am all about true crime. And I don't know if it's because the nature of what we do or what, but like finding people like the unsolved mysteries and stuff, but there are, I'll have to send you the name of the podcast. I'm drawing a blank of what it's okay. about, like a cybersecurity. I'll send it to you. Hmm. Um, but I've been following that podcast recently. Another, so part of our onboarding is we actually send everybody at the company something that we call the survival guide. And we have a reading list on there. So we have everything from corporate security reading, product security reading, more so stuff on the business side. And one fun thing that we do internally is... Our CEO actually sends um, a link every, I think it's like Saturday or Sunday, what he learned that like during the oh, week. Wicked. And it's always podcasts or books or articles. So there's tons of those that I've been following. Lots of YouTube videos. Yeah, He's active on LinkedIn as well, isn't he? Yes, he yeah, is. He is yeah. a supportive CEO and the most involved CEO. Um, he's been fabulous to work with. Yeah, cool. That survival reading list, is that secret or can we see it? No, it's public, actually. Cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not just hiding all the Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. So we have it there for everybody. Mm, cool. I, I, so I work and partner with many talent acquisition professionals. I know that some of them do listen to the show. 
I know some really good people have been going a bit off piece here, but I just want to ask you, because a lot of people have been going through tough times. I know there's some really good talent acquisition people laid off. I just know that you're probably aware as well, Michelle, like 2021 and 2022 were the best years on record for recruitment. And I think all these big tech firms, I think they put infrastructures in place that were just too big. So that's the reason why even really good recruiters got let go. You're doing well. You've got promoted. It'd be nice to hear any tips or advice or hints for fellow recruiters out there that are operating in the tech space or the cybersecurity space, any words of wisdom or anything like that? Yeah, there's a, a few folks out there. There's one from NCC Group that I've been mentoring and she was laid off recently. Thankfully, she just found a new job, but there, mm. it, it breaks my heart. A lot of our peers are going through a lot. As far as what, I, I love what you do. I think mm. if you are invested in the company, your work is not going to go unseen and really focus on building your own brand. What I love about Praetorian is I get that opportunity to build my brand. So it's not just Praetorian's brand, but it's my my brand. And really take that on full speed, getting caught up in some of, I don't know, any of the drama that might be out there. Just keep your head down, focus on what you're supposed to be doing and really just stand apart from everybody else. Mm. Yeah, true. I think as well, the love what you do bit, I think it's so important because I think you can bake it for six, 12 months, but then after a while, you just can't keep, you've, you've actually got to, and that's when it gets tough, that's what keeps you going. If it is, if you actually genuinely are into it and passionate about it, that kind of pulls you and, 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 and drives you through. And I think as well, I think the building your own brand bit that you mentioned is massive as well, because I don't see it as, as something that makes you invincible, but I just think as a recruiter, if you've got a strong personal brand and you're big on LinkedIn and this, that, and the other, I just think it gives you like an extra, I know, I know from my own personal experience, it makes time to hire so quick. Yeah. Response rates on LinkedIn just go through the roof and stuff like that. So that's the, the benefits of that are obvious. But I think when employers know you've got a strong personal brand, if cuts are coming i think they look at it twice and go hang on a minute there's something a bit more here above and beyond the daily yeah. recruitment activities i think it can really help you yep usually if a new position's opening through the pipeline and i know q2 we're going to need a lead i already know exactly who that's going to be already have ongoing conversations with folks out there so it definitely cuts time in half Definitely. And do you know what? I love that as well. You're having conversations already and being proactive. I think that's a really good thing to do is build your network, build, be building your network and be being proactive around around hiring. I think, say if you're a talent acquisition professional, if you have conversations and you keep your network really strong, if ever you do need to pull a favour or you do need a position, I think if you've had that proactive approach, it becomes easier. If the only time you're thinking about building your network or meeting new people is when you're looking for a new job. It can yeah. put people on the back foot. So that's probably a bit more of a long-term advice, but I think that would I think yeah, that definitely make sense. You're not just waiting for them to apply and checking applications. You're already having those relationships. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, for, for anyone listening that's been laid off, I just think as well, like some days I have a really busy day and I go onto LinkedIn and I watch the news and I think, it looks horrendous. The market look, and I know there's, there's definitely been lots going on, but I just think there's pockets of action going. There's, po- there's, there's busy companies out there and there's stuff. There's, there is a lot still going on. Granted, I'm probably working smarter 
and harder this even harder this year to 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 get similar results to to last year which probably aren't even still as good so it's definitely harder this year but there's still lots of fun to be had there i think sometimes you can go online and you see a big tech company laying off and you see another one laying off and if you get in the mindset of going everything's rubbish you're probably right it is but if you get in the mindset of going no there is something now i've just got to work a bit harder then you'll probably succeed there i think the mindset piece especially in recruitment it's it's quite important isn't it absolutely spot Mm. on Mm. cool cool we're coming to the end so biggest mistakes that you see in interviews that, that, that people make virtual thing is on the newer side i feel like not anymore but like a year ago some folks don't really understand that we can see what room you are in an interview where their room is completely trashed and there's food and i was just like are you really are we really having this conversation like this so be aware of your surroundings on the the virtual side definitely Mm. put a background if you need to Mm. that's been something that i've been seeing a lot and then on the i guess the early careers advice i've gotten some crazy stories where it's hey i thank you for the job offer but let me go talk to my parents and i'm like oh are you (laughs) what are you going to be doing this job but i actually have really had a passion to take on the early career hiring because i'm able to help them and guide them and really coach them on how to interview and not go through those mistakes Yeah, yeah, I think I think the virtual thing, I, I noticed that, for, that obviously back in the day, there was a lot of commitment required to do an interview. You'd have to get up, get in your car or however you get into to, to the location yeah. and put on a certain type of attire and smarten up, whereas now it's all too easy. So I think maybe like maybe our jobs become a bit more harder at this end because it's too e- all too easy perhaps to jump on a Zoom these days. You don't have to go anywhere. It yeah. sounds to me like some people aren't even looking at where they are. <laughs> Yeah, the number of folks that are actually wearing suits or like a nice shirt and ties have gone down tremendously during the virtual interviews. Yeah. For- do, you, do you know what? I'm going to ask that one because I think what what would you what's your ideal attire for an interview? Yeah, so I'm definitely a little bit more lenient on that personally. Mm. I guess it also depends who you're speaking to in your interview, but I want, you should look presentable. I don't need you to be dressed to the T, but don't look like you just rolled down a bed and just hopped on your computer, brush your hair, put a collared shirt on. You can get away with wearing sweatpants, but put a collared shirt on, put a nice blouse on if you need to look presentable. And, and like I said, yeah, if you're going for a role at a fairly low level, packing firm to roll up in a suit could almost have as much as a, a negative effect as, as looking really bad so, yes, so, so i think i think definitely somewhere in the middle check your check your background and okay. definitely don't say i'm going to check with my mum and dad to see if i can say <laughs> yes <laughs> do you know what i'm just going to any any so i know you've obviously been to some events is there any other events coming up that are worth me and the listeners being aware of in terms of what um you're going to or what Praetorian have got going on any anything exciting there that we could we could learn from yeah, nothing that comes to my immediate radar now that like Black Hat and DEF CON are over. We always love to jump in on B-side events. I think there was an Orlando one that we were going to and have gone to in the past. One company-wide one that I'm really excited on, somehow I signed up for planning our all-hands meeting. So we're getting the entire company together in January. So that'll be a lot of fun. 
but we'll have to send over a list of speaking engagements that the team's a part of. Mm, cool. Yeah. Are many of the team located at the minute in, in Texas right now? Yeah, there's still a yeah. bunch. I don't know the head count, um, but we still have an, our office open in Austin. Mm. It's still very much remote environment, but a lot of folks still like going into the office. Yeah, because there's a few. I think there's. I think there's a couple of next two weeks. I think there's two big. There's, there is. There's two big events in Texas. I think Splunk are doing something in, in okay. Texas. So yeah, so that could be pretty cool. But uh, all right, Michelle. An hour soon goes, doesn't it, when we get talking? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it just comes naturally. <laughs> cool. All right. Ever is there anything I um, haven't asked that I should have asked, or do you think we've covered everything? No, I think we covered everything plus additional stuff. You. We had. did. We oh. did. I tried to catch I tried to catch you off guard by throwing a few curveballs in, but you handled it perfectly. So well done, <laughs> Michelle. Thank you for that. Very enjoyable. I feel like the listeners will definitely have some big takeaways there and learnings there, and I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. See you soon.